we want to share just some practical steps of a message titled, United, We're Stronger. United, We're Stronger. I got up early Monday morning this week, and I prepared a sermon for this Sunday, meaning today, and I'm so excited to be able to share it. Uh, But I think it was about Wednesday or so, I kept having the thought that that message is actually for another time, Uh, and I'm really, really excited to share it, and that the Lord would give us our message yesterday for you, and uh, for today, which is going to be, I believe, back to the basics teaching, but for some of us, we really, really need that, right? How many know the Word of God never gets old? It never gets old. It's always fresh manna. And uh, so we've got to come with an expectation like, okay, well, I've heard that before. No, we can't do that. We've got to be like, oh, there. I've, I know people who have, well, I've read the Bible before, and they don't read the Bible anymore. Like, look, you got this thing all down pack. You, you know it from backwards or forward. I mean, oh, wow, that's amazing. But they don't read the Bible anymore. Well, I, I know the stories and I know that. My goodness, we've got to be hungry, Jesus said, and thirsty to be filled. And so I want to stir up our hunger and our thirst in this congregation. And I believe God's going to take his places we never dreamed possible. So how many want to hear Oral Roberts' favorite joke this morning, though, before we get started? Ah, Oral Roberts' favorite joke. Are you sure you really want to hear it? Because... You know, I've, I've got lots of favorite jokes, but do you want to hear Oral Roberts' favorite joke? All right, I'll tell you. So this is Oral Roberts' favorite joke, and apparently he never was able to deliver it completely. He would always bust out laughing before he got to the punchline, and so Miss Evelyn would get up and have to share the rest of the joke. So it goes like this. This ventriloquist was ha- having some hard times struggling financially, and so he decided that he was going to sell a dog. And so he went down to what we'd, I'll just call it a local cafe. He went down to the local cafe, propped up his dog uh, that he was going to sell to someone on the counter there. And he started using his ventriloquist gifting. And so it appeared that this dog was going away talking just, you know, a mile a minute, just chatting away. And sure enough, uh, somebody comes up and says, I have got to have that dog. I have never met a dog that talks. I want that dog. How much does it cost? I'll buy it. And so the man said, I'll sell it to you for $500. He said, you got it. But wait a minute, wait a minute. He only had $200. And he said, but I really want this dog. And he said, well, you can give me $200 down and pay the rest later. He said, agreed. So he gives him the $200 down. And he goes away a few weeks back, uh, passed by, and he comes back. And he props the dog back up on the counter. And he says, this dog doesn't talk. And the ventriloquist is sitting there just looking at him kind of like shocks, like how could you not believe? And the dog speaks up all of a sudden and says, not until you pay the extra $300. <laughs> Oral never got to that part apparently. So today, again, I want to talk to you about United, We're Stronger. United, We're Stronger. And the dream, the analogy the Lord gave me yesterday is this. We've started some really neat athletic uh, activities going on. We've got a softball team. We've got a volleyball team. And I had someone inquire, can we start a football team now too? And so we got some really neat things. In fact, I met an athletic director yesterday over a Christian school up in the Twin Cities on our flight. He 
took the same flight down and same flight back. And I'm sitting there thinking, I think we're going to need an athletic director pretty soon because we got some really cool athletes that are really excited about, you know, shining for Jesus. But this is a dream that the Lord gave me and it had to do with the volleyball team. And, and I really don't know. I have not had an opportunity to be at any of the volleyball games because Amy and I are out of the offices. We're usually gone on Mondays and Tuesdays, uh, focusing on the family, that kind of thing. So we usually sneak away. And so we're not able to see a lot of the games that go on on Tuesdays and so on. So anyway, But this is what happened is I happened to go to a volleyball game to kind of just rally them together. And when I got there, all the team members were kind of spread out. They weren't united. And again, whether this is true or not, this is just, you know, hypothetically speaking, I think it might have some symbolism to our own marriages and families and relationships. But they were kind of spread out. Some of the players didn't even attend the church, so they weren't even like-minded. And so... I rallied them together. I just, I had a whistle around. I was kind of like a coach. And I said, come on in, guys. And they just didn't really come that fast. Because some of them, like I said, didn't even attend the church. And so they weren't really that committed. And they didn't look at me as their leader. So they were kind of just hanging out there. And so I said a little more firmly in a nice way, come on, guys, get in here. And so anyway, they kind of got in. And I shared a word with them. And I said these words to them. I said, listen, I don't care how gifted, how talented someone is, a team is. If they're not united, they'll be useless. They will not have the power or the strength to do what they potentially could do is if they became team-minded. And I said, we've got to stay team-minded, and I don't care. You can have an ordinary team, but if we will become united as one, we will become extraordinary for the Lord, and we'll win the next game. And so I right away said to them, I said, we've got to do this right, and we've got to put Christ first place. Let's honor the Lord. So we got in a circle, and we started praying. But again, the Lord was delivering a message to me, to them, but really ultimately to all of us, that as we stand united, there will be power released. Let's take a look at Acts chapter 2, and as you're turning to that, I uh, was thinking about when I was in high school, I played high school football, you know, from almost junior high on up kind of thing, well, probably even before that grade school, but the factor is, is that in my senior year of high school, we had a team that had some good athletes on it. We had some average athletes, and we had some below average athletes, just like you see in a lot of high school programs, and uh we started off the season real poorly. I don't remember, three, four losses right off the bat, just not looking good at all. But the coaches recognized these guys are not united. There were some that were kind of had that star um, awestruck moment. You know what I'm talking about? They wanted to be the, the person of, a, you know, centered attention on them. And uh, they wanted to be the center of attention. They wanted to be the star athlete. And so the coaches recognized the pride that was on the team. And so thankfully, the coaches took and they began to move all the players around in positions that they had not played before. And that humility that came upon them because of playing positions, they had to learn to grow and to develop and to become more like, okay, I don't understand this position that well. They started humbling themselves because they got into a place of humility And because of that humility, the team totally turned around that year. 
Now, I'd like to tell you that we beat Ely, uh, where my brother-in-law is from, uh, but we didn't. That was in the uh, finals, uh, and, and we went to Ely. It was a snowy day, and somehow they whooped up on us. Actually, they just barely beat us. They just barely beat us. But the factor is, is that we took it from a losing streak to a winning streak. We finished really strong, but it was because the coaches recognized these guys are not united. They all wanted to be the standouts, and they were not being team-oriented or with a team mentality. United, we're stronger. You know, what he's talking about with sports is kind of like John, John Wooden. Um, how many of you remember John Wooden, the great UCLA basketball coach? Awesome, awesome man of God. And one thing he was known for saying, he had many championship teams, and he was known for saying, I will take a great team player over a great star player any day. If you have, if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and look at Acts chapter 2. With me, Acts chapter 2. We'll just use this one mic. That's fine. Okay. Acts chapter 2. Let's take a look at that together in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, if you read the rest of those passages and scriptures in the book of Acts, you can see what this did when they became one with each other. They came into one place in one accord. You can see in verse 1, what happened is that began a great revival. They were one with each other there, obeying what Jesus had told them to do. And they were praying. They were seeking God. They were of one accord in one place, and as a result, healing, signs, wonders, miracles, a great revival. Power was released when they were of one accord. So we want to take just a few moments because, you know, referring to the volleyball team, I thank God for the volleyball team. I thank God for the softball team. I thank God for, you know, any other athletic uh, programs that we launch out here at the church. But the factor is, is that we have got to stay united in one one accord with one another. We can be ordinary people, but God will take ordinary people and make them extraordinary when we become united. So the question is whether we're talking about marriages, families, uh, athletic programs, no matter what it is, what can we do to keep that power? How do we keep that power so we can, you know, in other words, experience the extraordinary, the results, the kingdom of God? How do we keep that power. And the answer is really staying united. United, we're stronger. In Deuteronomy chapter, uh, well, I'll, I won't go into the scriptures there, but in Deuteronomy, it refers to one chasing a thousand, but two chasing 10,000. So there's a lot more power when we become united. There's scriptures pertaining to this. Uh, two, you know, we're strong, but three, that three core thing is not easily broken. And so when we become together, not forsaking the assembly together, but we come together as one, we become a powerhouse for the Lord. We're not, nobody's trying to get the center of attention. Nobody's trying to be the star player. What we want is a purpose-driven church, not a personality-driven church, where we look and think and act 
as one together, looking to watch out for one another, watching each other's backs. You know, we teach our kids and our family. Uh, you know, there might be in the early stages, of course, Courtney and Winnie, they're all much older now and so much more mature, uh, Caleb's age and so on. But, you know, they might be just leaving the plates on the table kind of thing in the early stages of childhood, and they walk away and go play. And they leave the plates and everything else and their napkins for somebody else to pick up. So then we go into the parenting coaching aspect of it and we say, listen, you can defend, you can watch out for yourself for the rest of your life. And guess how many people are watching out for you then if you watch out for yourself? One. But if you start watching out for everybody else and not only picking up your plate, but maybe even picking up your sister's plate or uh, your brother's plate or maybe helping clean up in the kitchen or whatever it is, and you're helping others... You know, maybe mommy and I got in a hurry and we couldn't finish doing what we were working on. Maybe we were doing something in the kitchen, whatever it might be, but we don't get it all done. If you watch our backs, guess what happens when you not only watch our backs, but you watch each other's backs. Now you've got five people watching out for you. Because when you start watching out for others, others will start watching out for you. It's a reciprocated thing. Relationships are intended to be going two ways, not just one way. It's never intended to be a selfish thing. It's supposed to be uh, selfless, focusing on how can I help add value to the people around me. If you think about the draft horses, Amy, have any of you been to the uh, fairgrounds here in Rochester and watched the draft horses pull weight? Oh my goodness, it's, it's fascinating. So you got one draft horse, they might be able to pull about 4,000 pounds, but you bring two draft horses together, yoke them together, and now they can pull about twelve or 13,000 pounds on average. That's like three times what they could do alone. In the same way, when we become one with each other, we're not putting just 1,000 to flight or 10,000 to flight, but we're putting the multitudes to the flight, no matter what it is. There are times where you feel like I can barely keep my head above water. I feel like I'm just treading. I feel like I'm being pressed down. Well, we need each other. We need each other's faith. We need to stay in unity in one accord. We need to be able to pray for one another. And that leads me to how do you stay united and back to the basics, once again, this is absolutely vital in our marriages, in our families, in our relationships, that we have got to pray together. Marriages that pray together stay together. Families that pray together stay together. Relationships, friendships that pray together stay together. In Acts chapter 1, verse 14, these all continued with one accord in prayer. Say, in prayer with me, would you? In prayer. So they stayed together in one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. So they kept, they didn't, they weren't forsaking each other. Uh, they kept coming together, assembling, in the breaking of bread and in prayer. Say, in prayers. So they're praying together. If you go back in history a little bit in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, how many know that God's word is not obsolete? It's still vitally important, even in the Old Testament. You know, sometimes we get in the New Testament thinkers, and we're just like all about New Testament now, and we're under grace, and we're under this and that. But you, we, the truth is, we are under grace. But there is a scripture, and there are a whole lot of scriptures that still pertain to today. The Old Testament is not obsolete. It's still vitally important. Take a look at Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. 
If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. In other words, I'll heal their marriage. I'll heal their relationships. I'll heal their finances. I'll heal their whatever it might be. But that's what God says in his word. If my people will humble themselves, how? By praying. So in the volleyball team, what I did is I got them into a circle, we held hands, and we started praying together. And again, God was reminding us, I can take an ordinary team and make them an extraordinary team when they become united as one and play like a team. Let's look at Mark 3.25. It says, and if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. It doesn't say might not stand. It says cannot stand. So this is a really big deal. This is why we need to keep strife out of our relationships all the time and be purposing to always get into unity with one another. You know, the Bible in the book of Proverbs says that it's a fool, that, that a, a prideful person and a foolish person that wants to be in strife, that wants to get in the last word, that wants to have the argument. And so we need to purpose that we're not walking as the fool or the prideful person. But, you know, as Sean was just talking about prayer, think of prayer like a welding torch. I know we've been this before, but it bears repeating. You know, if you have two people, it's kind of like two pieces of metal, and if there's a break in the in the metal, a good welder can come in, and a truly good welder can make that weld at the break stronger, make that spot that was broken stronger than any other part on the metal, that the weld is the hardest place to break. And God will do that with prayer. When you, Even if you have a, a break in your marriage, a break in your relationships, challenges, if you start praying together consistently each day, and it's so important to do this. God comes in like a welder with a welding torch, and he binds you together in that spirit of love so that your marriage becomes unbreakable as you are consistently praying together. So it's so vitally important to do that. And I want to challenge all of you for the next seven days to start praying together every morning, preferably before you get out of bed if you can. But if one of you is way early to work, then in the evening, if that's the first opportunity you get, but make sure and hold hands, snuggle up, pray together if you're married, and, and take time to do that because it will bind your marriage together. Also, before your kids leave for school, take time to pray together with your children. Even if they're very young, have them all uh, go around and just say a prayer for, for each other's day, for the family, for protection, whatever is on each person's heart. But let each child in the family pray, and it does amazing things to teach them unity in the family. And if your kids get into an argument, parents, have them hold hands and pray that they'll resolve it in unity. That's a wonderful, wonderful thing to teach kids. I remember the pastor we had in Tulsa said that he not only made his kids do that, they had to kiss each other on the nose afterwards if they got in stripes. <laughs> That we don't do that with our kids, but we do ask them to hold hands and pray. So it's very important to do that. So I want to ask you, how many will take a seven-day challenge that's married to pray together? It only, you know, you can do that in five minutes or longer if, if that's on your heart to go longer than that. So Sean talked about how do we get into unity. Number one is pray together. And the number two thing we want to encourage you is every day remember, do your ABCs. A is appreciation, B is belief, and C is compliments. Every day speak appreciation, 
speak belief and speak compliments to your spouse and to your children. If you do your daily ABCs, you will have a much stronger marriage. Pray together and focus on the ABC, appreciation, belief, and compliments in your relationship. That will bond you in a stronger, stronger uh, relationship together. First Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. In Romans 14, 19, the message translation, it says, so let's agree to use all our energy in getting along with each other. A lot of people use a lot of energy in strife, don't they? Have you seen that before? Whether it's at home in the workplace, but we're supposed to use our energy in getting along with each other. Help others with encouraging words. Don't drag them down by finding fault. If you've had a challenge with doing this in your home, I encourage you to write the scripture out and read it every day, several times throughout the day. Especially if you come from a family where this has been what you were raised with, with your parents, be reading this every day so that your mind is renewed in this area. And then it says, you're certainly not going to permit an argument over what is served or not served at supper to wreck God's work among you, are you? You know, some people actually get in arguments over what's served at supper. Do you realize that? I've heard of that multiple times, of massive fights happening between couples because the wife didn't prepare something the way the husband liked it that day. Or vice versa, maybe the husband was cooking, and don't you remember, I don't like this food. Well, yes, it's nice if your spouse remembers certain things, but at the same time, we need to all give others the mercy that we want to receive, Right? I remember one wife, um, the husband was getting a little frustrated because she was never making a home-cooked meal. And uh, so anyway, he said to his wife, he said, honey, he said, my mommy used to always make home-cooked meals, hot meals. And she said to him, if you want a hot meal, pour a bowl of cornflakes and start them on fire. Now, I don't necessarily recommend that, but one pastor said these words, if you want to destroy a relationship, give them what they deserve. That's some serious strife in a relationship over meals, huh? But, you know, recently I was speaking to the, the men's group on a Saturday, and they had asked me um, just to share about women and some different things about what ladies like. And as I was preparing for that, one of the things that was on my heart to share with the men, and, and this goes for women as well, is it's so important that if your spouse or your child or someone is having an off day, they're having a rough day, maybe someone says something kind of rough, that you don't, don't retaliate and, and be rough back with them. The Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath. And so if, if someone in your family who is technically your team, everyone say, my family is my team. If someone in your family, you know, has a, a harsh word or seems irritated or agitated that day, the right thing isn't to get irritated back to them. The right thing is to say, hey, are, are, is there anything I can help you with today? And if if they say no, then and then just, you know, step away and pray for them. But don't purpose in, to just, if they're going to talk to me like that, well, I'll be mean right back to them. The analogy the Lord gave me when I was preparing for that is he said, you know, a lot of couples, um, they don't realize that when they one is having an off day and the other one retaliates and gets mad back, it's just like a baseball team. Would you ever see a professional baseball pitcher? You know, what if a pitcher threw a wild pitch, was just having an off day or something, threw a wild pitch, and it, it went away so that the catcher had to go, catch, go chase after it? That does occasionally happen. 
Not as much in major, ba major League Baseball, but it does occasionally happen. What if the catcher had to run after it? And what if he got mad and thought, well, if he's going to throw so I have to chase after these balls, then I'm just going to throw this and make him chase after it and throw it way away from the mound. Is that going to help the team? Of course not. And yet... It's no different in marriage, but so many times if one person in the marriage throws a wild pitch, the other one says, well, I'll get him back, and I'll throw it over here so he has to chase it. And that can't be our mindset in marriage. We need to be so much thinking, how can I help my team member? How can we make this so that we're winning as a team? And when you do that, strife gets out, and unity comes in, and it really bonds the marriage in wonderful ways the way God wants it to be. Well, if you think about it, how do you turn a marriage problem around or a relationship problem around? Let's, let's focus on the marriage for a moment. Whether you're married or not, just think like this. Say with me. If a couple even just one, made a decision to start acting the way that they did when they first met, they could help turn that marriage around. But most couples, when it's at the end and they're just so frustrated with each other, they get violent with their words, sometimes even their actions, because they aren't willing to humble themselves and to say what they used to say when they first met. But if a couple could get a revelation on what if we started acting the way we used to when we first met and made a quality choice and a decision that I'm going to, from this point on, I'm going to start acting the way that I used to act with my spouse when I first met him or her and just started acting that way. We could turn America around. We could turn this world around if we could get couples to start doing that and thinking about those things. And I just want to add to what I just said about baseball. You know what? Baseball does a very good job, if you watch it, of teaching people how to be unified when they're out on the field. But television and movies do a lousy job of teaching us how to be unified. Would you agree? And yet most Americans are acting out what they see on television. Because you can watch TV and learn some really smart remarks to say to your spouse. Would you agree? But should we be watching that and should we be following it? No, and it may be funny, but do you want to be funny to the point of losing your marriage? Do you want to keep watching that and lose your marriage? Because whatever you're filling yourself is what's going to come out of you. And so if you're filling yourself with, oh, this is so funny, I just love to watch the show because it's just so hysterically funny, this couple banters back and forth so much, and yeah, they're totally slamming each other, but it's hysterical. Well, that will eventually coming, be coming out of you in your marriage, and unless you want that, you better shut it off. If you want to keep your marriage, you better shut it off and turn on baseball instead and look at how their team-mindedness applies to your marriage. I'd call them dumb comments or smart, rather than smart, smart comments, right? Smart aleck. smart aleck comments, right? Oh Well, anyway, we just want you to think about these things. Again, we believe in praying together so much that we challenge you even for the next seven days because we're so confident that after even seven days that you're going to say, oh, my goodness, our marriage unity has gone to a whole new level. And when you're praying together, you can be praying once again. You can be praying for our, our government. You can be praying for our president. You can be praying for our leaders. We can, we can be praying for our men and women in, in uniform. We can be praying for uh, each other's day. We can be praying blessing over one another. But the more you take time to go back and forth praying with your loved ones, uh, with your friends. We had a, a couple of young ladies in the church that were not married yet. 
but they found an accountability partner in the church, another female, you know, so they talked to uh, someone that they knew, and they said, would you become my prayer partner? And the two of them started praying together, and they went on to say that because of that relationship, it went to a whole new level of trust and unity between the two of them that they never dreamed it was even possible. It was just a great, great friendship that God developed. So if you're not married, um, don't be like Miss Piggy, okay, over Kermit, thinking, oh, I've got to be married before I start praying with someone. No, you you know, Miss Piggy was just googly eyes over Kermit, and uh, the fact is that she was so awestruck with the, you know, with Kermit, but she should have been awestruck over Jesus. She should have been focused on Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Because sometimes people get so focused that what they don't have versus what they do have. Is Jesus not enough for us? Whether we're talking about being single or married, there's always friendships. God can always give us new friendships and healthier friendships, but all of us have to make a decision in our life, whether you're single or married, to get to a place in your life to say, Jesus, you're more than enough. I did that before Amy and I got married. I didn't know for sure if I was going to be marrying Amy. I didn't know for sure if I was going to have this friendship continue forever. And I remember making a consecrated choice because I was losing my friends by the dozens. They were going really fast because they, for some reason, didn't want to come to church with me all the time like I wanted to. After I gave my life to the Lord, they wanted to keep going to nightclubs and doing things of that nature. And I thought, you know, I'm going to keep doing my best to inspire them. But not all of them wanted to keep, you know, coming my direction. They kept wanting to go their own direction. And so I remember just making making a consecrated choice and decision, watching my friends drop off, you know, the old friends that I used to have, and uh, watching them just drop off real quickly. And I remember just making a a consecrated choice one day before the Lord, saying, God, you know, whether Amy's going to be a part of my future or not, that's between you and her. But if you're the only one that I have as a friend for the rest of my life, I just want you to know you're more than enough for me. And when you get to a place where you're so consecrated and you're so content in your personal relationship with Jesus Christ and you're putting him first and foremost in your life, then all these other things are added unto you. God will give you the desires of your heart, but start somewhere. Start building the kingdom of God. Start taking time to pray with your brothers and sisters in the Lord. So if you're a guy, find another guy in the church. If you're a female, find another female. Find someone that you can pray with and develop a closer, good, godly relationship. And watch what the power and the kind of power that is released in that relationship. Tremendous power is released when two become united, and I'm not talking about just marriage, I'm talking about even prayer partners, and you become a, a praying couple, praying uh, for the church, praying for the country, whatever it might be, but you start taking time to pray with someone, and I'm telling you, there is unity, but power is released when we become of one accord. Now, I'm going to close with this thought, and uh, we're going to take some time and just pray for you. If you want stronger unity, You know, I said in the first service, uh, you know, it would be easy for me to say, if you're challenged with serious adversity and challenge in your relationship right now, then I want you to come forward kind of thing. But I would just, I'm going to be more blanket about it. If you just want a stronger relationship, more unified relationship in your marriage, in your relationships, with your children, uh, God's presence is here today to unite you and to release his power and to destroy the yokes and remove the burdens. So I'm going to close with this thought. Once again, how do you fall in love again? You begin to act the way you did when you first met. If you're a husband and wife, take time to pray together. Don't let, um, you know, tension, strife ever get in between the two of you or in between you and your children. Refuse to pray together. Ask the Lord Jesus, Lord, would you just take 
and lead us in our conversation right now. Help us to act like Jesus and talk like Jesus would. Do it in a very sweet, humili- uh, humble way, and God will heal your marriage, your family, your relationships, and so on. But I want you to think about this. I know it's not easy sometimes because America has been trained to believe that it's best to just throw in the towel, just to quit, start new, new chapter, new beginning. And we get the mindset, a lot of people have because of television, as Amy is talking about, and social media and stuff, that it's better, it's easier just to throw in the towel rather than enduring the cross kind of thing. And I remember Oral Roberts one day told the Lord he quit because the persecution was so heavy. He was just posted in Life magazine, and uh, they put Marilyn Monroe on the front as an angel dressed dressed up like an angel, and put Oral Roberts in the magazine, a big article about him, and he was dressed up as the devil. And, you know, the, uh, with their words and so on. But the factor is, is that the world is going to call good bad and the bad good. We already see that. That's no new news. And it's going to be easiest, naturally speaking and emotionally speaking, just to throw in the towel when someone's persecuting you, including your own spouse or children or whatever it is, and just say, fine, I'm done with you, whatever it is, and, and move on. And I remember Oral sharing this, that he walked in one day and said to Richard, his son, he said, I quit today. And Richard got big eyes, like, what do you mean you just quit? And he said, I quit. And then he got a smile on his face, and he said, but uh, I spoke to the Lord, and the Lord spoke to me. And the Lord spoke to me and said these words. And he said, Oral, would you rather stand before me with medals or scars? Would you rather stand before me with medals or scars? In other words, Jesus stood before his father with what? Scars. And he quickly got a revelation and thought, you know what? I would rather stand before our heavenly father one day with scars. Because God can take the scars and turn them into stars. God is amazing when we are willing to press through. Thank God Jesus pressed through and he endured the cross because he could see the joy set before him. In other words, when you're willing to press through and not quit, not throw in the towel and say, God, you're my strength. You're my pillar. With you, all things are possible. And when you come to a point of the end of yourself and the beginning of him is when the floodgates of heaven will open up and pour out such a blessing, you don't even have room enough to receive it all. But you've got to tap into that. And I close the service with this, with giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Would you close your eyes, please? If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or you need to recommit your life to the Lord Jesus. And you're saying, Pastor, please pray for me. I need to get my life right with Jesus. I need to accept him as my Lord and Savior. I need to recommit my life to the Lord Jesus. Today you're saying, I need to get my life right. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, slip up your hands all over this room right now. Just acknowledge it. Thank you so much. Any others? You can put your hands down. Anyone else? You haven't raised your hand yet. It's not too late. Right now, today is your miracle. Don't wait. Don't wait, ma'am. Don't wait, sir. Okay, excellent. Let's do this. Let's take, let's put a hand on your heart. I want you to pray this prayer and the rest of the church congregation, those that are watching us online, I want you to pray this prayer with us. I want you to think about what you're praying, but this is where it all starts is in the heart. How much do you want God in your life? Today is a new beginning, a new day. Would you pray with me? 
Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, forgive me, forgive me of all my sins. Of all my sins. Jesus, Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my heart. I accept you. I accept you as my Lord. As my Lord. My Savior. My Savior. And my best friend. And my best friend. Thank you. Thank you for dying on the cross. For dying on the cross. For all of my sins. For all of my sins. I commit. I commit my life. My to you, to you. Now, now and forever. And forever. Add this to your prayer. Satan, Satan I, denounce you. I denounce you. I denounce your works. I denounce your works. Go, Go from my life. From my life. Now. now. Say it again. Now. now. Again, one more time. Now. now. In, Jesus name. In Jesus' name. My life, my life. Belongs, belongs to our Creator. To Jesus, to Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Amen. 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 Would you give them a big hand clap? Give the Lord a big hand clap.